Zig on the top. Today we are joined by Evan Friedel and Packy Lunn of Jim Cotta. Jim Cotta is a power trio based out of New York. They, uh, they take organic rock and songwriting that is pure to the heart and blend it with electronic instruments and, and blend it together to make music that is danceable yet thought-provoking. Jim Cotta is playing May 4th, Thursday, in Lakewood, Ohio at the Winchester with my band Sea Level, Letter C Dash. If you're new to this podcast, I play in a band called Sea Level, Letter C Dash Level. We are a funk punk reggae rock group based out of Cleveland. We take 12 string guitars and run them through martial amps to make a high energetic set. And we'll be performing at the Winchester with Jim Cotta. Jim Cotta also has a new record out. It's called Bonfires. We're going to listen to a track off Bonfires. This is Skinny Dipping off the album Bonfire. There are all these choices spread out across your lifetime where you could just fall in line or you could make a little noise. She left her clothes out by the shoreline and jumped into the water. She didn't care if someone saw her. Says we're all naked in this life And I think she's right Oh, and she says Bless it all to me Honey, bless it all to me For they're growing up in numbers And I was loud when we speak So what do you do when you think You think the world is falling down What do you do when you think You think the world is falling down Gasoline and matches Her favorite song is Do you believe in magic? And I do At least I try to But now the news stays bleak And it's only getting bleaker And the people least trusted Are the loudest speakers So what do we do when you think You think the world is falling down What do you do?
Skinny Dippin', the tune. Bonfire's the record, Jim Conda. It's available now on all streaming platforms. I recommend you guys check out the album. It is a banger. So, before we get to this, one more reminder. May 4th at the Winchester. It's a Thursday. Jim Cotta's playing with uh, local support from C-Level, letter C-Dash, and Abstract Sounds. It's going to be a good one. Tickets are linked below. And if you guys can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on one of the podcast podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests like our friends from Jim Cotta and sharing their insight with you. Final note before this interview, this was done over the phone during a thunderstorm. So there's certain points where it gets to be a little choppy. I did my best to edit it, and you can hear everything that's being said. So if it gets a little choppy, just hang through. Um, and here we go. So my first question to kind of get into it, um, you guys have been to Ohio a few times. Have you been to Parma? Parma? Yeah, the city of Parma. I don't believe so. Is that... Um... I think we've played Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Okay, because Parma is like it's around, it's around Cleveland, but it's not too far from the name Parmistan, where the game is held. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna make see where Drew, you're going. <laughs> Drew Carey show reference. I remember uh, yeah. that. Wasn't that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Goulardi. But yeah, Parmistan. So, um, <laughs> first of all, Jim Cotta, the film. Is fucking fantastic. <laughs> uh, based off your guys' name, I dove into that, and like it's ridiculous. Um, but my question is, if Parmistan was in Parma, do you guys think you would find your way through the game, or where would you get held up? As long as there's a uh, horse for to pull vault over and uh, so some windows with mats to fall into on the outside, uh, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I think those ropes, the fire rope, yeah. would have done me in. I would have right, right. And got arrowed in the back. Arrowed! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the movie in years, but like what yeah. always thought, stood out to me was uh, how conveniently there was a pummel horse just there with handles. Yeah! Uh, right. <laughs> um, there's that scene where it's like, uh, there might be a little bit of anti-American sentiment, but... Ah! Oh, it's right. Somebody right off. Somebody right off camera just jabs him with the arrow like yeah. it came from somewhere else. Yeah, that's the highlight. <laughs> yeah, the, the timing is great. Uh, that's, so you guys were now. Did you guys start playing together in middle school? Did I read that right? Yeah, a long time ago. Okay. Now, was it always Jim Cotta, or was there some like uh, other earlier adaptations? Uh, there were earlier ones. We started off as, uh, I guess, Livewire. Okay. And then uh, we transitioned after like high school, I guess, into the original Jim Cotta spelling. And then once we started getting people to come to the shows, we started just uh, we changed the spelling to avoid any potential copyright. We didn't know what we were getting into, so yeah, the name just stuck. Uh, I mean, I think with all names, it's temporary until it's. Uh, until you're just living with it and yeah it's kind of what happened <laughs> so was the lineup always the kind of same between you you two were you always on guitar and vocals evan and packy you on drums or did that like happen once the jim cotta band started taking off yep the, there's always been core three members that are still in the band in fact the only three members that are currently in the band um we've always played together we've had a a kind of a lineup of bass players over the years 
and then started doing it basically the way we're currently doing it just because it seemed easier and a little more streamlined into you know the 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 message that we were trying to get out and have people receive okay so okay so like developing that because me and my bass player we've been playing since he was in middle school i was senior or not senior uh freshman year in high school and it's like it's an interesting dynamic when you have like a musical relationship and or any relationship that withstands longer than like three years you know what i mean like when you and when you really start to go from uh kind of naive into this this like world of music or this world of whatever your creative outlet is um to maintain through that from the kind of naivete to like the seriousness so like as mm -hmm. you guys were like growing into that did like did the roles kind of already seem like they were in place or did you guys find yourself like switching like someone taking on a way different like uh aspect of the music industry i want to say or music like full-time approach than you ever thought you would Hmm. I think to get back to your other question, I mean, yeah, we always played, like I played guitar, Packy played drums, and then Aaron played uh, guitar as well. Um, and we've been playing together, you know, since since jamming in, in like Packy's basement in middle school. Um, but Aaron, you know, over time took on playing synths as well. It became sort of just like a natural fascination of ours from like the first time we entered an actual music studio um i think in also with that was our first sort of realization and, and fascination with song structure and um just like creating textures creating sound palettes in the studio that you might not get just jamming together you know in a room um is a way to like sort of have multiple extensions of yourself you know like you can only play if I'm just in a room, I can kind of just play my guitar pretty much and sing or whatever. And Aaron can play the synth and the guitar and, but not everything all at once. And so I think they just having that sort of a simple realization at first, um, sort of led to, I think we've grown a little more interested and, and capable with like the production side of, of music. For sure, and and how to replicate that and bring it to the stage, um, and that's what I was getting at by message. It's like we just slowly, be, like we the kind of music we make, we just required to, like more layers than we had players to play them. So like we kind of had to adapt to a new system in order to do it all live on stage. I remember one sound guy like once said like, "Wow, three guys, a lot of sound." That's how he <laughs> summed us up. Yeah, well, yeah, that's definitely like the the power trio like effect. Even if you know, what I mean, like. I can see how many people are doing it, and there's more than that than I hear. You know what I mean? So that's sure. that's kind of like the, uh, in a way, like that cool goal that maybe is not pronounced at first, but just kind of happens. Because like when I've I went through the discography, and from the the first like kind of a shorter record, the self titled, to mm -hmm. burn my money, there is a complete like shift in like. Um, like band kind of song structure and tonality and just like that like uh that process it sounds like that time period between those first three albums you guys are really honing in where you wanted to go because like when i listened to that first the first ep um it sounds like it sounded like a lot of 311 um and um kind of dispatch influence 
I think that's kind of to the point I was saying earlier. I think that that very first one was a, a beginning of like a self-awareness. Uh, whereas before we were just sort of playing together as a room started out, you know, back even before that, like when we were kids listening to, you know, punk and uh, grunge and stuff like that. Um, and then like sort of started jamming a little more as we got older and, um, but anyways, that first recording experience was a, was one of like self-awareness of like, huh, do we really want it to sound like that? Do we really want this to go? This chorus is too long on the first thing. Um, yeah. You know, simple sort of realizations that different experience when you're just having fun with your, your buddies in a room, you could play that same riff like 20 million times and it's still it's fun every time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but if yeah, you're yeah. listening to it, you know, you listen to it back, you're like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm bored of this after, <laughs> you know, after the first two times, let's move to the next section. Um, so it's just like that, that simple awareness, I think, transitioned into Burn My Money. Um, and we went to the same studio for that one. And with just a new set of, um, I don't know, yeah, awareness and goals and, and big leaps in like, yeah, our personal being aware of what our tones sounded like, our amps, our, you know, drum tones are, yeah. and beginning of experimenting with electronic stuff too. So like there's some pretty raw um, sort of um, I know, experimental beginnings. And this is pre, I mean, for us at least, we didn't have access, I guess, to these things, but we, we weren't using Ableton yet. We weren't like fully keen or or didn't fully understand how like the electronic artists and hip-hop artists we like got the sounds they liked so we were just sort of like mimicking those the best we could <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and then like the older you get you start to understand how those those influences got actually get their sounds and that's kind of you know leads to more where we are today but i think that was part of it was trying to like mimic some of our favorite um you know, electronic and hip hop artists as well at the time. Um, so, yeah. How were you guys trying to, what did that kind of process look like? Was it just like using the sampler, like just the preset sound or, and then eventually learning how to program it yourself or what would that kind of, or was it just uh, making the sound somehow and then like putting, like what did that kind of process look like? Cause I, I don't it, dabble too much with electronic instruments myself, but I do find them fascinating. Sure. To me, I remember it was a matter of gear that we were using because, okay. yeah, we started off, it was bass, drums, guitars, and then we slowly added samplers and synthesizers into the mix. And I distinctly remember, like, um, having the talk in the studio about, like, the bell curve effect, meaning, like, um, kind of the principle of, like, if you're going to say it, shout it. You can't really, like, uh, like, often you can't really dip your toes into it unless you're really going to go for like the authentic like version of that otherwise it just comes off as um either a joke or just like underproduced right so you really so if you're going to commit to something like that you really like for me at least it was about like doing my homework and making sure that there's like a space in the mix for these kind of sounds and b like is this the direction that it's going in and then you can base other choices off of that okay so okay, because I'm I'm familiar with the bell curve like through stats, right? So like, now when you say the bell curve effect, are we that that's just like it's going all in to that point of the like, or can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? 
it's kind of like what's the principle you either got to whisper it or shout it nobody okay. cares if you say it so it's like right in that middle yeah it's right in that middle where like you won't necessarily like it won't come across unless like you're on either end of that bell curve gotcha that makes sense okay yeah okay well okay so during that second record that was committing to that that whole electronic approach within your guys' sound then i would say so yeah okay. what do you think evan it's of both i think we were still finding finding it i think that was like i think by die digital that's when we were more like you know committing a little more to that stuff and just definitely you know i would definitely agree going through the discography it's like from the second the first record there's a huge step up in production and then from the third second to third it's like it's like from that third record on it seems like you guys found that that tone that sound that like balance of i guess electronic instruments and how to utilize them cuz it's like a like when when that come out 2012 2012 for that yeah. third record so like before that it was kind of like I remember stuff wasn't easy, like, growing up, like, through the 90s. Like, I'm not used to just being like, hey, Internet, how do I do a thing? You know what I mean? Sure, <laughs> Which is, yeah. like, the process now, which is amazing. But, like, so there was such an upheaval of trying to make things work. Like, even just recording all our I, – I, I started tracking our early stuff on a cassette 8-track, <laughs> like, 4-track. Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? Like – and then the next year, like, I got one for Christmas when I was, like, in middle school. The next year, like, I couldn't get cassettes for them anymore. So I was like, uh, now what do I do? But, um. Yeah. So, like. It, sort of, I, I do, like, parallel our process with the, the, the change in technology, for sure. Because, like, even, like, having access to, you know, a DAW, like a, you know, digital audio workstation, at first, they were around in like the early 2000s but it only got cheaper and easier to have one over time yeah mm -hmm. and um and then and sort of more like just prevalent and and i i think that also has from you know i think yeah packy tapped into ableton which we use live um and then like from from die digital on i think we all started to just get a little more interested in you know messing around with that stuff at home and like yeah creating the sounds we wanted before we went to a studio um like i think we realized that um it was harder to describe what we wanted to happen to like an engineer or producer and it was easier just to create it ourselves and then just dump it in and be like here like here's the sound yeah 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 because I remember, yeah, like, like as Evan said, to, like to to kind of piggyback on that, like I remember sampling into the SBS with a microphone, and like that was the earliest like form of sampling I would do and throw it into the music and like edit it on the little digital screen on the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. kind of realized quickly like this is not going to be time effective at all, so I got to figure out a new way. So I started making samples in Ableton, and then importing them into that, and then dropping them live. Right. Right. So and it's interesting. It's all this kind of like analog process to this digital process, which works quicker and more efficiently. But it's only like after you've had your hands in the mud, so to say, that you know how to utilize and alter uh, alter the sound that you're working with. Um, yeah, and, and no, I'm sorry. Not, like I remember, like um, Matt, who like produced those first three records, 
like we'd be like oh it'd be great to have like you know something like a telephone ringing here and he would just i remember like turned around just looked coldly at me and was just like all right where's the telephone <laughs> and i was like and i was just kind of like ouch all right so i guess i gotta yeah i, I guess this is the, the kick i need to kind of just like get the sounds and it's easier to to uh show than tell in yeah. that regard definitely definitely and it's like when you one you're you're not kind of wasting studio time, so you're not paying for you to invent the sound, you know, or to create right. the the space. You come in with that, and like I, th- that's the only stuff you learn after doing it for sure. Right, and I realize that like you might hear like a specific layer or like like a sound in your head, but you can, it's easy to sound like an idiot when you're just like, what if there was like a jet engine, but it was like in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> and like there was also all this other stuff like it's it, it's it's a lot easier to get your the vision that you have across if you just produce the sound if you just have it with you and you're, and you're like what about this and like you know as evan said we've gotten a lot better at just doing that like you know and and then bringing it to the table rather than relying on anybody else to be like oh i know what this song needs right well well in that that makes a really interesting like band dynamic like as far as like songwriting goes with all these uh like for everyone to can kind of contribute in different layers to bring out certain tones and certain sounds that tell the story of the song. So like totally when you guys like go in for writing a song, is it kind of like one person brings like kind of a verse chorus to the band and then everyone kind of piles on or does it start as the band then branch off? Generally Evan will bring um, something up uh like a pretty and he's gotten a lot better obviously at having like a a start to finish like formed idea and like that's great when it's like that because like for aaron he can just record synthesizer layers at home and punch it up with whatever and then i'll kind of insert any layers that i see going but yeah lately evan's got like um you know he's just been cranking out a lot of songs that we can't even keep up with which we're we want to like take to over the finish line and release so it's, it's been a it's an interesting system in the way it's like developed over the years and has that like is that what contributed to bonfires like that type of yeah. process absolutely and bonfires was kind of an a cross-country effort on recording it because like some of the songs that started before we even went to california some a lot of them we finished while we were there and then brought to the studio and some of them we like started in the studio and then finished out there so it was like because evan like aaron was out here the whole time so we were just like we kept like punching him in like wherever he had like synthesizer layers so to me like that was a big confidence boost in like us being able to handle a lot more in-house it sort of changed over time to suit like the the needs of of where we were at in life as well you know like when you first start and you're just playing together in a room uh you kind of like hash things out over time but you're also practicing like four nights a week, five, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas over time, it's like, and also in, in the process of in hearing back studio recordings and and sort of having a critique of, of it being like, oh, it doesn't sound like the way I want it to sound, that kind of explore, that forces you to explore um, doing more of that homework before you go record, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, and then like, <clears throat> you know, the the more that yeah, from bonfires and kind of where we're at now is just um, working uh, sort of remotely with each other, and um, you know, just it sort of suits the, the way we, how we're living. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Like, 
because like at least with with sea level i'll write a lot of the main tune and bring it to the band and then we expand upon it like that so it's like there's a form there's the structure how do we best kind of deliver the momentum message of the song or how are we going to track it like this and like you know what i mean like you think you start to think in those different layers and it's interesting as as kind of like someone who writes writes songs like like ha- kind of having that foresight of like i want to hear this type of harmony on top of it or you know what i mean or kind of writing around that space so i've never written with like um like a synth in mind but i imagine it's kind of like like kind of like writing like a chord progression with a riff like this this thing's going over e minor whatever it is is that kind of how you guys utilize that in the initial writing stage before bringing it to the group I, I, I would guess say I, I would say generally it doesn't like okay. it's uh I feel like synths always come in uh I don't even want to say like supplemental but like it, it the, the role they play in the music changes cuz like you know Evan owns a few synths that he always records with and we all do so I feel like the the influence of synthesizers I feel like have definitely like gone up and up with 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 each uh record we've done but you know I guess at the end of the day we are still rooted as like guitar based rock i mean what would you say evan i mean i I was gonna say it depends there's certain songs where it definitely started with like a riff from a synth you know like like bonfires itself right you know we started working on that that like that was there um or sometimes like aaron oh for example like what won't let you down off in motion that was like right it's just like that synth you know right away but other times they come in uh where you know, it's interesting, you know, a song, I think we take the approach in general. I think we do take the approach of just like whatever a song needs. Yeah. So, it, and and we've gotten better at maybe stripping a song back to its basic elements first in a way of like, okay, what is, what is going on here? What is the beat? What is the chorus? What is, you know, sort of deconstructing and then, and then building it up, you know, um, or at least that's sort of the process I tend to go through in my head. That's um, true. Yeah. And then we add in little like synth layers if it calls for it or. Um, yeah, that, I think you're right yeah. because I, f- I feel like we like we're at risk of like kind of going too far in the weeds right off the bat with certain tracks. But then, like, like you said, like, I think we were encouraged like, to kind of take a step back and just decide, like, what's absolutely like the essence of this, what's necessary and like build it back up from there. Because it is still about the song. It's like that's as Evan said, like it's whatever best serves the song is what's going to happen at the end of the day. Like nobody's trying to wedge in like a piano part just because we have a piano. Right, right. Certain and, songs are just start off like they're like we we know this is beat driven. This instrumental is hot, uh, and that's what's leading it, you know. And yeah. and and then like we we build vocals around that or something. Whereas other ones, it just seems like maybe it's more like. You could play this song on an acoustic guitar, and and it, right. it would it would probably work. So then, what do you need arrangement wise? Um, right. You know that whole kind of thing. I think I think that's something we got into over the years. At least I did as I started to think about our own recordings and our songs, and sort of like get more perspective. Because one of the things that when we started playing, we were pretty much only playing our songs. At least I can speak for myself as a musician. I'm not like a trained <clears throat> trained musician. Um, uh and neither any of us really so uh, when we were playing we would play 100 shows a year plus whatever i feel like i was just kind of playing the songs from from memory and 
not fully aware of like what key this is in, what scale works over this, what, you know, and then over time <laughs> started to like learn a little bit more of that and get some more context for our own music. Uh, and then I was able to, as I, as I start to get song ideas, now I can, I can, I have like a little more context to work with. I think, I think we all do uh, to that degree where it's not just like, uh, you know, here's this riff and then we just like hammer that riff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Um, there's more, there's more distinct paths now carved out where it's like, okay, option, you know, we can go down this way. We can go on this way. Or we can go on that way. That's like, I think kind of coming from the, the like magic ethos of like, I played something and it worked. I can relate to that as a guitar player, like starting and being influenced, like by people like Hendrix and you're like, Oh, he never, he never read music. Or, you know what I mean? You, like, learn all these, like, kind of epic mythos things about these musicians, but he still knew what the key of G was. You know what I mean? Like, and, like sure. you kind of, you kind of, like, learn that there's, like, this kind of magic to not knowing, but then it kind of limits, right? But also, I think that's super important, because if you, if you go in too thought out, that the whole thing we're supposed to do is express emotion, share emotion. And like, if you can't, if you, you know, sometimes you think too much within that and you don't actually get that. So it's a key balance of like just feeling it and then kind of like learning those tools of how to further express that. Cause like, uh, Definitely. that was my kind of like journey with like theory. Like I started studying in high school on my own because I was seeing like, oh, well, if I know what I can do with this, I can add certain elements to the, definitely, you know, and like, uh, so that's that's crazy that like you guys start jamming and then you're playing over a hundred shows a year. Like, could, could backtrack for a moment from the process and like how did like it go from just like jamming in the in Packy's basement to like booking yourself out that like far out? Like that's an intense jump. Well, it was it slowly ramped up because like, yeah. we 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 ended up in Ithaca because we were going to college here. So you know when you're a college for? band, was it for music or? Uh, I was going for communications, and what are you, where were you, Evan? Anthropology of some sort? Transferred in from Plattsburgh. Uh, I, I majored in anthropology. That's cool. And Aaron Aaron uh, moved from Buffalo and went to uh, TC3. Right. Uh, the whole purpose was sort of just, <clears throat> like, I was bored where I was. Aaron was kind of, you know, bored, bored where he was, and at least worth convincing that, sort of what we had started doing at the end of high school. We, we had just started sort of making up our own little tunes and having fun with it. And I think we, we all were like, I think Packy was kind of the one that was like, hey, you should come to Ithaca because there's there's a little music Pop in here. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it did seem that way, you know. And like, we moved here. The music Musically, for music and art and, and all that, it was a good little town. I mean, we're just, we're from Oneonta, New York. I mean, Ithaca was a step up for sure. Yeah. Um, and no, 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 hate. I would love only but, uh, but I think what we realized quickly is that like any bar is stoked if you bring a hundred to two hundred of your friends in, for in sure. there for the night. Yeah. So like we found <laughs> that there was some there there we were like oh we actually have a little power here in like the way we get booked because like we realized like this is like a you know this is a nice golden ticket to have is that like we actually have fans like right off the get the get go. And then slowly, like people started following us to like other cities that we would play in. So that you know that that's ultimately like how you just create the buzz is like by already having like a fan base that shows up. And you know the bar might be like who who are all these kids and like where are they coming from? But like who cares because we're, we're we're selling drinks and tickets. Yeah, 
Yeah, which is, man, the booking, the out-of-town booking is the hardest bit. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like I, I, I spend so much, especially now, post-pandemic, screaming into the void. You know, like, um, but that totally, okay, so so stuff starts to escalate there. And then and then you guys just, do you hit, like, the like these festival circuits or, like? Sorry. Yep. Yeah. There, there'd be, like, a few local festivals that, that we do. There were a few other, like, you know, like college towns or like down in even Pennsylvania that like Williamsport, like little places that started to go well for us. Um, and uh, my brother came on and helped with the management, just, you know, sending emails and <laughs> doing that stuff. And um, we, uh, you know, eventually we got a, a couple, you know, more high profile stuff, gigs in, in like festivals in like 2008, somewhere in there. And um and then at some point we got an agent, uh, and it just sort of just. <laughs> um, That's awesome. That yeah. yeah. Well, other bands too from like surrounding regions they hear of you because it's like, oh, I heard that they these these guys do well in, you know, these four cities like around here. We're yeah. coming to town, and then like we kind of cut our teeth on doing show trades. Nice. So somebody okay. from say yeah, yeah. Ohio, like a band like Sea Level, would be like, hey why don't we open for you guys out like, you know, in, in New York where you're from in the new England. And then like in turn, like you can open for us here and get you in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. 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 That's... It was really like word of mouth. Like Facebook had just kind of started and it was like only students. So like early on, like it was easy to like actually make a post that only your demographic is seeing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, okay. That's the whole other, like uh, the Facebook marketing end of it is definitely changed and i think became a little more challenging but like um so that's that's pretty that's like the show trade thing such a powerful thing because that takes it back to the diy like the basement madness you know what i mean like and like in the best way it keeps it it keeps it pure it keeps it like actually making connections and sharing um people you are also moved by or you know what i mean feel uh, like gels well with the people you're bringing on to put them in front of and like that's a that's cool. That's cool. I'd like because I you know with the guys we talk around here, show trades were uh, a hot topic word that you know we've only we started to dabble in and started to do and actually have success with. But like, um, it's interesting. It was I don't know. Pandemic made it a different different go for us for a while. Yeah. Well, that was also just you know to, to back up like that was the only option back then because yeah. there wasn't so there wasn't Spotify. There wasn't. Uh, an e there wasn't an easy way to hear about other bands outside your market other than word of mouth. And like a lot of people that we'd see, you'd be like, have you heard of so-and-so? Oh, you got to play with so-and-so. What it kind of more challenging, but like, like I, I nostalgic, pure time, you know what I mean? More challenging, but in a, in a weird yeah. way, it seemed, the scene seems smaller. So it was almost easier for all of us to become aware of each other. Like a, like a lot earlier. Like, I don't know if you know the guys in Papadozio, but yeah, we like yeah. became we became fast buddies because we got put on the same bill in Baltimore one night. And it was just like, oh, we're friends now, aren't we? <laughs> OK. Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden, like, we just started playing shows with them. And then that le led to other stuff. And then that, you know, we, we just we just kept growing and like making new connections from there. Like pretty much every city that we would hit, it was because we paired up with a band that was also doing well in that um, city. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because it's like. I, I when you when you do have that buddy thing, it's almost like a or the kind of bill that's put together and you don't know who you're playing with. You know what I mean? Like, 
sometimes mm-hmm. if it's if it's out of your hands, like oh, you guys are playing with these guys, and you get in the green room and it's kind of like they're over there, we're over here type deal. You know, what I mean, you don't really buddy up, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, uh, it is a bummer. Like we we always prefer when it is much more of a hang and like people are, you know, yeah, well, it's, it's different. Yeah, now like it's different coming back because like we're just like we like we went on hiatus for uh, a good part of four years. And in that time, I feel like a lot changed landscape wise. Yeah. And so we're, you know, we're, we're still like, we're, we're still kind of like reintroducing ourselves in a way to like the scene. It's uh, shift in the last, like however many years in general yeah. has been, has been that like back, I think when we started even like, you know, let's say 2010, 2011, even like the early days of, like you said, social media, stuff like that. Like it's like um, things started in person at the show and then spread on the internet. And now I think things it's the opposite. They spread on the internet and then go to the show. Yeah, it's a like, call. It, it completely flipped. It um, did, yes. Yeah. And in the same time, in this at the same time, it's gotten harder to, to get your word out on the internet. Yeah. So it's like a it's a strange conundrum. To well, be before in. there wasn't paid ads, and like literally, oh. like if 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 fifteen thousand people like um you know like followed you on facebook or instagram that's how many people would see your posts like it right. would be the people that already subscribed to you but now like you have to pay to even reach the people that are choosing to follow you in the first place yeah that's a strange there's a strange phenomena like uh i sat in a music uh tech conference my buddy from uh his name's brandon hawkins he puts on or brandon davis that's what he's going as um puts on and like they had a royal royal wooten one of the wooten brothers on there and he was just cool. going on yeah it was it was wicked he was going on this spiel about about just that because like you know if you put something out let's you know you have 1500 followers you put out a post and you get 20 likes you know the math kind of is wild on that you know what i mean yeah disheartening <laughs> yeah it very it is it is so like now there's this whole like post backstage uh, web game on how to like reach the people that already reached you you know what i mean yeah um and it, it's interesting even like even though like online it's like i I've, I've always like kind of believed that there's a balance between digital reality and, and reality in a way like it says 25 people are going to be at the show and at the show you can probably count on five people you know what i mean like it's an interesting like dynamic between like numbers and the digital platforms compared to reality because the reality ones are the ones that God, really really matter in a way you know those are the people that actually are moved to do something as opposed to just kind of like support via likes or pretended attendees i don't know um but that's interesting that it's kind of flipped like that yeah and you can't hate it it's just different no. yeah, just yeah. like just like by the time we started playing it was already different because like i remember when we were in middle school college bands would come through Oneonta and like the only way you would ever know that they're playing is because there's a flyer on a telephone pole in the neighborhood that you live in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and, like you literally had to walk by it and see that to even know that there's a show happening. And then like, if, if anything, maybe they'll get on the college radio station and, and be able to run an ad, but that's it. Other than that, it's word of mouth. And I think what you said is key. It's not, it's not to hate this like change. It's to embrace it and find your place and how you can navigate through it. Because yeah. like, it, it, that's such an important thing because everything is going to alter. As soon as you think you have one thing down or understand a thing, it, it flips. And Definitely. Like, and like the people, the people that are doing the best, I feel like are always the first people to utilize a certain like method of doing things. 
Yeah. Like we were talking how like it seemed like a lot of bands recently started doing live streams and how that really started boosting people's career because people from home could just be as lazy as they wanted to and be like, well, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to check this out three times before I actually go to a show rather than before you wouldn't even be able to research a band until you had to go and see them. And at least like you get one ticket out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, did you guys find yourself during the, so wait, before the four year hiatus, was that at the, at right at the, like, was that 2019 or were you guys taking a hiatus previous? It started in 2017 and ran until 20. Yeah. It ran until 2021. Okay. And was that just kind of burn from hustling, doing hundreds of shows a year? Like, was it just like kind of like a reset? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was exhausting and like kind of maddening to do like the kind of touring that we were doing. And I think that we just realized that it wasn't going to be like mentally healthy or sustainable for us to keep doing this cycle of you tour, you record, you tour, you record, you record, you tour, you tour, then you tour and then you have more tour. So like um, we were all just kind of like at an impasse of like what to do next strategy wise. So it was good to kind of take a breather like that because I feel like at a certain time you start to feel like people expect you to constantly be on. And we just wanted to kind of take a step back and gain a little perspective about like what we were doing. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Well, of course they expect you're, you're performing. You're supposed to be on, you know what I mean? And like sure. every, that, that, that's more than the, the on stage time that's the after the show before the show you know what i mean because like it's all kind of on because you're meeting these people for the first time and it's kind of you know what i mean like i i enjoy i enjoy that that bit of it but like to to put in comparison i guess like i find like if i talk to someone before the set like i i'm a pretty excited person i'm enthusiastic about a lot of nonsense so, like, I find I lose my voice via the show from being stoked about to talking to someone about Ninja Turtles or something before. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like sure. there's like a there's like or, or in this case, Jim Cotta, like, what, you know, what I mean, like there's a, a, a thing that wears you out, which is not that interacting and mingling and meeting people's performance. But, you know, there's aspects of that that wear on you. So, like, I guess during that kind of before the kind of need to hit the brakes. Did you guys have like kind of coasting methods you developed before, you know what I mean like not talking to people before the shows or like some type of routine to make, sh- make sure at least the performance was all there? Honestly, you know, one of the most frustrating things about it was like I think by the time that we uh, hit the brakes, we actually we had just started to figure out the three-piece thing. We had a great crew with us. Um things were actually going pretty well. I think we just felt like we were kind of spinning our wheels, but I think there was also like, yeah, I don't know. I, in terms of the actual performance. Um, yeah. I mean, you do, I mean, for me, it definitely, I singing every night, I it don't, seems like it only gets harder. I, I got to definitely be careful before show and after the show too, if you got several yeah. gigs coming up. Um, Cause you know, it's tough. And then especially the way we started uh, when we started going on the road, like it would be like, you know, show up, play the show, find a place to crash, you know, like two hours. Hers, get in the van, go to the next place, you know. Um, and so there was a lot of just like socializing with people and just kind of getting, which actually, I mean, it really was great because we, I think we've made some connections and friends with different people that I, I you know, I don't 
we wouldn't have made if we weren't just going out there and doing it. Um, but it was a pretty, um, you, you had to be all in, you know, there was no, you had to be just all in for the ride. Um, and, uh, and we were, you know, and then I think by the time 2016, 17 came around, I think we were just kind of exhausted, uh, felt like we were spinning our wheels a little bit and needed to take a step back really. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we all, in terms of the actual performances though, I think, um, it's only gotten better. Um, and especially now I, I think, you know, there's, there's a level of like, I think dedication and pre- professionalism yeah. that uh, is is there that just comes from like years of doing it and respecting the respecting it, you know, <laughs> respect yeah. like really wanting to put on a good show, really wanted yeah. to put on a good show, really wanted to just kill it, you know. And um, I think we always had that, but I think there were times probably in like when you're in the middle of it between like I don't know 2013 to 16 or something when we were just really really on the road where you there there probably was a little bit of just coasting here and there because you're just exhausted um but yeah um and time to step back and think about you know things you could be doing better (laughs) no definitely like uh it's like uh with any song rest is like key if you if there's no rest in music the song just goes on forever right the note will always sustain until it stops and then if uh, if there is no rest and or pause in between what you're saying, you can't be heard. What what you said can't be heard because it's a constant. Well, I was talking about this and you never heard about this and blah, 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 but you know what I mean. Like there's if it's just constant go, there's no rest and then there's no actual like payoff or like there's no point being made because it's just go go go. So I think being able to say we need a break and taking that is such a big deal, you know. And we live in a uh, a society, especially with like social media, where you constantly need to be putting out, and you see like a lot of bands and a lot of other creators putting out just kind of nonsense, just because there's this urge for constant like uh, content, you know, as opposed to like kind of like uh, sincere and like um, well crafted. Frustrating, content. yeah. That type of thing was frustrating for us. I think there was an element of that at that time when we stopped. Um, we we had put out some a lot of very sincere we, we made what we thought were some great records that we were very proud of what we did but i i felt like things are shifting towards that way um and and uh where like i don't know it paid off to be a little more gimmicky or something yeah um and well and it was the edge of going frustrating viral. yeah and um i think now since coming back we have focused a lot more on just we, we realized like oh it is very important though to like have that presence like what's the balance of you know you you're not just you know but you're 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 engaging your fan base you know and keeping you know i think we had to kind of look at take a hard look at ourselves and be like how can we be more active and put have be more accessible but um, authentic like but authentic and yeah well yeah i liken it to like if you were you know if you paid to subscribe to a tv station and there's only something on it every four days, then people will lose interest. So like you right. gotta kind of, it's you know you gotta kind of keep people engaged who are already following you. And not to say that you have to just constantly be online, but like I think we realize like you gotta give people a reason to pay attention to you. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think if you're doing what you're doing and it's authentic to you guys, people pick up on that. Like you know what I mean? Like there's, 
I feel like a lot of the viral like kind of mentality is like busking mentality in a way. You know what I mean? Like uh, if you're busking on the street, how you get someone's attention for a brief moment, you know? And when mm-hmm. you s- you're only seeing like an aspect of that artist that's like, whoa, neat. You know what I mean? Like, right, <laughs> as right. Supposed to really engage, which that's a skill in itself. And I, I'm not trying to bash that or diminish that because like that's that's a huge deal. If you can busk and catch people's attention, like, or if you guys ever done the bar gigs, like, uh, where you're not just doing uh, the band, you're doing like the acoustic act. Evan, I don't know if you've done gigs like that, but like totally. You know, and I mean, right. I've got. We've got friends. I've had friends that, like, um, I, I, I can honestly say that that's not something that I've ever particularly been good at online or in person. Yeah. And I've, I've got friends that are, like, just natural. Like, as performers, they're more of, like, that showman, like, draw you in type. And, like, it's awesome. And, and like, uh, I think that's something in coming back with this. So, like, I don't, I don't personally, like, I don't, I don't even really like to be on social media all that much. Like, if I... If I wasn't doing this, I probably wouldn't have to be like, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. But um, like, I think there was, there's like this uh, sort of a self check-in of like, all right, well, what's, what's ultimately important here. And what's ultimately importantly is that like, we really believe in this music and, and we've seen at least for, you know, especially in the past few years and being away and coming back and playing shows, we've seen like what it's doing for people and, that there's this passion around our music. And I think the ultimate purpose is to spread that. So if if I have to go, you know, take some selfies or something and throw them up, uh, even though it doesn't seem at the moment, uh, like why that matters, if it's adding to the overall purpose, well then I'm going to do it. You know, right. Yeah. Every band will tell you that the, the landscape keeps changing as far as like what the algorithm will favor. So it's almost like I think we've gotten better at almost making a joke out of like, hey, here's what people are going to actually see more of. So this is the post and this is the, the here's the message yeah. below it, you know, was it? No. And like, you know, it's like, all right, fine. I think, um, I think what you're saying is super important. That is the bigger picture for the thing. But ultimately, it, like most people with any creative endeavor, like you're influencing people to follow their own creative endeavor by showing that it can be done, you know. Like even like the the grander non like self um, serving purpose of any of this is that if you can follow your bliss and your your belief and what you want to do, I can do that too. And look, it's working out for those guys, so I can do my thing. And like, sure, you know what I mean. Like, it's kind of what I'm I'm hearing a little bit from being willing to do some of the nautical nonsense that needs to be done to float with you know to to make the thing sure. Work. And, like, and I think there is there uh, to to you know to continue on that like I think there is some comfort in realizing that like a lot of this is just up to chance a lot of it is just random yeah. a lot of like wh- how people come across you is not in your control so you might as well just like feel good about the stuff you put out and be consistent in how you do it right no I hundred percent agree with that like there's no sense in being inauthentic to who you or you guys are as a group. Like, yeah, because that's just, well, yeah. if anyone picks up, if, if it's if it's not that people are just, oh, they're just trying to do this, you know, totally. Like, and like people see right through that. So like my personal strategy is always to like kind of like put that out as the elephant in the room. Like we all understand this is stupid, right? OK, cool. Here are the show dates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I get. But like there's a thing like like if it's an authentic thing, even though if it's stupid, like uh, 
our band, we just put out, like, we did these reels for a show, you know, this these silly, like, you just talk to the thing. But instead yeah. of just talking to the thing, we, uh, we reenacted our drummer sleeping through a gig. And we found that hilarious, and that it, that went well. You know what I mean? Like, so it's yep. just if if it resonates with you, other people pick up on it, and that's I think that's the key to that kind of like nonsense, you know, uh, or not yeah. nonsense, but that approach, that method, that way of reaching people. Um, yeah, and it's different now too. Like you know, to, to talk about like changing like themes. Like years ago, people might want your autographs. Now people want to see your house. People want to see like uh, what. People want to see what the inside of your car looks like, like yeah. as you like get on Instagram and talk to them. So it's like a weird, like I don't know, it's it's a weird balance of like privacy versus like you you being your authentic self and not necessarily putting on a show. Because I think a lot of I think the jig is up with people like renting a Ferrari and be like, "Yo, here's my new whip." <laughs> like that's yeah, like people. People see right through that, but like I don't know. We, I think we have always taken a more humoristic approach on that because it's like the music is serious, but we're all pretty goofy guys as people. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, my approach is always just like the dumber it is, that tends to, to like you said, like it tends to do better. Like the dumber you can make advertisements. <laughs> well, for sure, and I think I think like the if you look at bands like the Foo Fighters, so they were pros at that. You know, what I mean, all their yeah. music videos yeah. are ridiculous. Perfect the, example. That's the perfect example. Like, it, but the music's as honest ex, as can be, and like, I don't diving into because until like I wasn't familiar with your guys' music until like we picked up the show and I dove in to uh, all the records and like, like the whole like you guys have a lot of that too, being named after this wild film and like the tunes you put out are so like like listening to other kind of bands that like um your guys as a name is around i'm like this is like some deep songwriting like this is cool but it has like these like transitions that fit these other type of genres um, totally i'm glad you pick up on that because it's a balance of like you know putting out like you know like music that hits on a deeper level for us but also like with the overtone of like but none of this matters does it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think i I think us embracing that that side of it, though, um, you know, the lyrical side and the, um, that deeper side has been important in the last like few years as well, because it was reflected back to us when we stopped, like through our fans. Yeah. We got we got a lot of messages and a lot of like in our final shows, a lot of heartfelt, um, you know, communication and, and shared with us. And that was, I think you know you kind of realize like oh i i guess this, this really is hitting people yeah. um we mean and, something to people yeah and and that was important i think we we definitely take that seriously and um like that's that's a part of every show now too uh you know not only are we kind of doing like you know you know on a great show there's also like you know people are like singing along and um you can kind of get a sense or, or feel like what it what it means to people now and um i think we have a lot of like respect for that well uh, definitely definitely and like yeah. that's what i think makes you guys stand strong with a lot of these other bands that you're around like uh even what was the tune on the new record um skinny dipping i was like wow that was a really well written like that one had to be a song before before the band like because that was put together really well songs like uh, structure wise like the narrative of it um kicking around yeah yeah for a while and like mm -hmm. well do you is that kind of the kind of jump back into that process a little bit like for when you're writing tunes do you get like little song seeds that you like 
that kind of sure. a lot a lot of bonfires was was weird it was different because um it started out as like writing by myself without knowing how exactly it, it would it be a jinkata record would it not you know and then packy and i were getting together and making beats and working on things and we were thinking for a second like oh maybe we'll just do our own little project here and because we did it truly kind of everything fell apart so we just didn't know what the hell to do so in a way it was kind of cool because there was really no in my mind there was no attachment to like what um the expectations for like a jinkata sound is uh, or whatever so it's kind of an experimental record for us i think we're like we, we hit touch a lot of different ground on on that one um but that's because like i think i was just spending a lot of time by myself like yeah just chasing down ideas and um yeah it'll start as a, as a seed sometimes it's a fully you know fledged out um song uh and other times it's just like a seed it's just a beat or a rhythm or um but then you know uh at that time when i was writing them i was just doing a lot of production into what i use and uh, but like I, I don't know if we're ever going to record this actually you know so i better figure out how to make it sound good by myself <laughs> first sure. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know um and i'm sort of like I've become, I, man, like that process, writing, being in the studio, it's like my favorite thing in the world. Yep. So I just, it's like, I just needed to create that for myself in a way. I would just sit at home for hours just doing that and be like, well, what can I do? I got to finish this song. Um, Cause I just love that process of, of uh, helping either, either helping someone else like finish a song or myself. I just love that creative, um, you know, really getting it, it into it and figuring out like, what is this song? What what needs to happen here? What's next? What what about these lyrics? Should I change this? Should I do that? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. It's definitely kind of a magic flow like spot. And once you get into the rhythm of like problem solving each thing, and then when it's done, you're like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? Like, but it's like it's a. So d- did you do you or was this kind of like when there was more pandemic time like? Do you did, was there like just a regimented thing like I'm gonna go work on this for this amount of hours every day, every other day, or would that be like when a song seed would plant itself or something would pop up? I was doing I I um, this was like probably in 2018, 17, 18 or something. Uh, felt kind of just lost because the band wasn't playing. Yeah, we just didn't know what we were doing, and I think I was like unemployed, and I just took like a month. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like, I, I was just like broke and I, I, I was just like, okay, I'm going to every day, uh, five days a week work on music. And that's kind of where I think bonfires came from in a way, um, was I, I, I'd been reading this book called, uh, big magic, uh, what's it? Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and she's a, a writer. She wrote that, whatever that famous book, um, Eat, oh, which okay. I've never, I, I don't, I haven't actually read that book, but she wrote a book on creativity called Big Magic. That was, mm. um, there's a lot of really cool insights in there. And one of them was she just was talking about her regimen. And one of the things she said that stuck with me was, um, done is better than good. Yep. And, and I was like, whoa, like just the idea that no matter what, just go in and sit down and write every day. 
or work on that thing you're doing every day and um, finish things. Yeah. Um, that like kind of like get out of your own way. Good is, um, you know, pretty self-critical. So uh, yeah. I probably I prevented, I had like a million ideas from even getting out. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I've tried to take that approach a little more of like, at least just like finish things. Yeah. Um, and not judging yourself them, for what comes Give out. them a chance. Yeah. Whether you use them or not, whether they make it to the public or not, whatever, but at least for yourself, try to finish it. Gotcha. Yeah. Done, done is better than good. Right. Yeah. That's cool. That's I think cool. that's kind of become our mantra. <laughs> well, that, that, you know, it's just kind of being in that, that state of create. It's like, um, not often as musicians do, do you like practice creativity? You know what I mean? Like you practice kind of the, the technicalities that you need to do to put out the, the, the expression, right? You, you practice all the running the scales, running the mechanics of it. But not too often do you like have that time to practice playing with it and creating with it. And I think that's super important to do. I have a little regiment for myself that's the uh, not as like not as like full song, but write a write a verse and chorus every other day. You know, just you have an hour. That's your limit. It comes out or yeah, yeah anything. You know, anything. And like even for me right now, I'm busy with like all kinds of other stuff. But like even if I can just like I don't know, sit down with my guitar with no agenda every day and yeah. kind of like noodle noodle for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, you know, and the other thing is like you know, not every song idea is. Uh, I think I think the idea behind that book was like stop waiting for the big the big idea to come to you all at once the lightning yeah. get a lightning strike it's gonna get and then you're gonna finish the thing in one day and that's the magic song and it's like sometimes it might be that way but yeah. a lot of times it's just taking one little idea and messing around with it for a few hours and yeah and then either it turns into something or it doesn't but at least you you work to a little bit definitely to add to that yeah. sometimes <laughs> what i'll do if i'm feeling like stuck is I'll like I'll just put on like a, a random Spotify playlist and just like try to choose a genre that like I wouldn't even normally fall into like I, the psychedelic cumbia or whatever nice. and just play along. That's a cool. That's a cool playlist. Side note. Yeah, Keep and, I'll, and I'll, just, I'll just play along to whatever and like not knowing what's gonna happen. And what that does is it basically like gets you a little more anticipatory on like how things um, happen as far as like structure. Yeah. And like not all music follows the same rules or the same formula. So it's good a learning tool to just be like, why would they play it like that? Or like, oh, I see. So like this, this is going with my right hand the entire time. But then they just drop the kick and snare out. Oh, OK, that's an interesting device. And then like whether like I'm acknowledging it in the moment or not, it's locking away in my brain of like certain, you know, the 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 quote unquote correct way to do certain things. It's was it? Well, yeah, I think constant it's uh, there's this. Are you guys hip to Mary Oliver? She's a poet. Mm, I don't think so. She wrote a a book on how to, it was basically, it's called the the poetry handbook. And there's this quote, and I'm going to paraphrase it in a way that probably isn't 100% accurate. But it's like, uh, uh, freedom of self-expression comes to those who are diligent, um, diligent, patient, and the other thing. But but basically. Diligent, patient, and the other thing. And the other thing. Perfect requote. Yeah, you can. But the idea of like the <laughs> idea that you are you're uh, dedicated. They, I, I remembered it. <laughs> Diligent, patient, and dedicated. So like the idea that you come to this space every other day or every day or all the time, and you're reaching out for those things, 
even if it's mimicking what other people are doing or learning those forms, they eventually become your freedom of expression. And like, that's such an important thing. And it's so hard to do and so hard to get in your head with like, oh, this is nothing. I'm wasting it. You know what I mean? Like, especially like, Packy, with your situation when you have like a lot of other uh, <laughs> stuff going on that needs your attention right now. So to keep that yeah. discipline is tight and tough. So, but it, totally, and I'm I'm working on how my new schedule is going to run, in, right. in you know within within those parameters. What have you have you found it, or is it still developing? Still developing. It's like I said, this is all very new. Like you know, fatherhood's a very new thing for me right now. So I'm I'm still kind of settling into how that looks. Like it, it clearly shows with your guys's work that that's all there. Um, one other thing I kind of wanted to ask about, kind of with this through line of like self discipline and. Rem- uh, attention to the practice when you do record it's such a kind of like self-critical thing you know what i mean like and it's easy to kind of like doubt oneself of where it sounds and it's easy for a lot of people who don't overcome that hump of like oh there's a thing here i like let me focus on that and build off that you know like uh, there's a lot of people that hear their voice for the first time and they're like oh my god turn it off um oh yeah what kind of uh, and the, we'll use this to wrap it up because I really appreciate your guys' time. This has been this has been a really fun, engaged conversation. And um, I guess the kind of we were talking about doing like authentic stuff to like that goes into the whole algorithm thing. For me, getting to pick people's brains like this and have like engaged conversations has been my way to handle that authentically. So I appreciate you guys for for taking taking time and chatting with me today. Um, and I'm looking forward to the show on the fourth at the Winchester. Um, yeah, but I guess my last question is like, did you guys find any like kind of like truths or ways to handle that kind of self-critical voice in your head when you're listening back and the focus on the, like the positive thing to move on to finish the track or better yourselves? I think I keep in mind everybody's insecure. Just get over it. Solid. <laughs> yeah um i think i think it's it's tough i uh um sometimes that critic is right but you, that that inner critic i mean is right but you have to do something about it like if if you do if you don't like the way your voice sounds well sometimes it might just be like you know jimmy hendrix didn't like the way his voice sounded and his voice sounds awesome uh to me so maybe, so maybe, you know, there's, there's that too, of like, just get over it. But sometimes there's something like maybe go learn a little bit more about, um, technique, singing technique, or if you don't like your guitar tone, well then figure out, uh, you know, a different amp to use or research what your favorite guitar player uses. Or, um, I think there's value in actually, um, embracing you, the, the self, yeah. but, but then there's also, um, a point where and this is why it's been important i think for me to hear back from fans uh about songs or whatever is there there need there is a point where you have to step back and be like you know it 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 is what it is a lot of people like it uh and um i maybe my there's so much at this point <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah. uh It'll be what it'll be. I, I've done my best here to express this idea, and uh, now it's free. You know, it yeah. can be out there, and the other people can decide. 
Yeah. Sometimes too, I feel like it takes years for people to come around and be like, oh, I understand like what this is, what you guys are going for basically here. Yeah. Yeah. There's that definitely like how many like punk rock bands have been unburied from the record crate that are now like sure. highly sought after. <laughs> That's the, sure. the underdog story that we're all hoping for. Sorry. Important to remember that art and music is a, is subjective. True. So I think there's a lot of these days, especially, you know, when you scroll through Instagram or with like kind of like viral, like YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok culture, like there's a emphasis on the best, like who's the best drummer, who's the best singer, best guitar player, who's doing the craziest riffs and runs. And, um, and there's a lot of that that can make you feel intimidated as if you need to be, it, it, it's sort of a sport music and i think it's important to remember that like no matter what you're doing nobody has your voice nobody has your hands nobody you know does things the way you do them you know you don't need to be like the best absolute best you know you don't got to be the best at what you do you just got to be the best at being you hey and it's it's a, the the piggyback off the Hendrix quote, you know, it's like when he was on the Dick Cavett show, he's like, I'm the best guitar player in this seat right here tonight. <laughs> like when Dick Cavett, <laughs> brought, you know what I mean? Like, and there's something there's some there's something pure about that that's inspiring that someone we perceive as the best thinks they can get better, you know. And I think that was really well said. Um, yeah. Do you guys? I mean, you you mentioned earlier that there's a lot kind of in the works. Is there another record you guys are working on? We're just working on tracks. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And uh, anything other than like the May Fourth show that you guys want to plug? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're doing. What else are we doing? And uh, that nearby. We're that same weekend. We're doing Buffalo Ironworks in Buffalo. We're doing uh, the Thunderbird Music Hall in Pittsburgh. Uh, two nights after that, May sixth. So. Um, you know, to anybody listening, they can follow us on Instagram and find all the tour dates there. Uh, a festival in Jamestown, New York, which is not too far from Ohio. That's yeah. true. Yeah, Whirly Bird. Whirly Bird. Bird. Okay. All right. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for taking time and chatting with me today. I'm excited to meet you guys in um, uh, at the Winchester on the 4th. Yeah, same. Cool. Awesome. For, for great questions. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. It's been, it's been a great conversation. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. It was you guys made it really fun. This Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig at the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.